Upsflyer presents Winning in the Nordics with Anneli Nash. Welcome to Winning in the Nordics. I'm your host, Anneli Nash, and I'll meet some of the most interesting marketers, investors, and app developers across the region to learn from their success stories. I'm the founder of AIM4, your partner for digital marketing and growth, and this podcast is a collaboration with Appsflyer. Appsflyer provides mobile marketers with the technology they need to grow their apps and create exceptional user experiences. Okay, so VGames is the first dedicated global venture fund for gaming entrepreneurs out of Israel. They have worked with some of the youngest and most mature developers, meaning they have a deep understanding of what it takes to build a great game. VGames are passionate about games and about supporting companies as they grow to become global leaders. I'm here today with Daniel Miranov, who is a principal at VGames, where he manages the deal flow and works closely with portfolio companies on marketing and growth. Before joining VGames, Daniel led growth strategies at Facebook for some of the largest and most sophisticated gaming companies in the world. And prior to that, he led the performance game plan for the launch of social casino and app verticals at Google, establishing Google as the leading mobile game marketing player. Daniel, I'm so happy to have you here. So tell me a bit about your role at VGames. Yeah, first of all, thanks thanks a lot for having me. And very ha- happy to share uh, my experience and, and my perspective on the gaming industry. So um, first of all, we're quite a small fund in terms of team size. We're just four people. So uh, many of us and all of us basically were wearing many hats, um, myself included. So I'm working in on two directions. So first... I manage the deal flow uh, in the fund, which means um, I'm leading all the investment process. I'm meeting the you know, founders who are seeking funding. Uh, I'm trying to understand if it's a, it's a good opportunity uh, to partner and if it's a good timing to, to partner. Um, going through the due diligence process, playing a lot of games, which obviously it's a part of uh, our investment uh, thesis. And uh, in the end, uh, making a decision if this is something we should invest in, who we should partner, on what terms, and so on. Um, so that's, that's like just in a few words, but it's actually quite a lengthy and uh, sometimes quite complex process. And obviously, I'll deep dive into that. Um, and my kind of second hat that I'm wearing, coming from uh, my marketing uh, experience and knowledge from uh, Google and Facebook, uh, I'm working very closely with all of our portfolio companies. Um, on growth uh, strategy, so uh, consulting um, and helping our uh, our portfolio companies to structure marketing teams, set the right KPIs, measure the media in the best way possible, and everything to do uh, with growth and marketing. I'm, I'm helping them and working with them on that. Cool. I mean, you must be quite an asset for the gaming companies then, considering your background. But but how did you get into gaming investment? Yeah, so actually, I I don't have uh, investment uh, background besides uh, besides university, uh, but I've been working in the gaming industry for quite a while. Um, so and which also quite interesting, which I, I got to it very randomly. Uh, it's not something I was looking for, and I think um, I'm, I wasn't sure that you can actually work for that. Um, personally, I'm a passionate gamer and been gaming uh, for, for my entire life uh, on all different platforms and, and um, across different genres. Uh, I'm still doing this until, until this day and enjoy it very much. And I think it's probably one of the most important things uh, in this industry. You just can't really understand it well enough if you're not experiencing it on your own. 
So uh, when I joined uh, Google, I, I, I actually joined uh, the gambling team. Uh, and very quickly, like about a year after, uh, there was a new uh, team structured um, because Google saw a very big opportunity in, in games, just like uh, regular uh, like free-to-play mobile and uh, PC and console games, so nothing to do with gambling. And, and Facebook at the time did a lot of revenue from games, and obviously Google had the sort of a formal feeling, structured the team uh, out, of, uh, out of Israel, uh, trying to build an expertise in-house and get the market share in terms of advertising dollars. So I actually happened to be on this team, uh, and that's where I met Eitan Reisel, who's the founder and the managing partner of Big Games. Uh, and we used to work together for many years very, very closely. I got uh, to work with incredible gaming companies uh, in Google. It was Playtica and Plarium, uh, Moon Active, Scientific Games, and many, many others. Uh, during my time there, it was about five years or so. And it, it's like the, the best part of it, it was I had a chance to work uh, with companies from big to small to see how the companies are growing, uh, what kind of challenges they're having. Uh, all different genres, uh, mostly on mobile, but still like very, very broad spectrum of the games uh, industry. Later on, uh, uh, Eitan uh, left uh, Google. I left as well. So we kind of parted ways for a couple of years. I went to Facebook to focus more on the measurement uh, of advertising and like more like a scientific approach to uh, advertising, um, but also in the gaming industry. I learned a lot from those couple of years at Facebook, and I felt that actually, like my, my understanding of the advertising market is actually uh, becoming even more, even even deeper. And then um, when Eitan uh, decided to uh, establish Big Games, uh, he gave me a call and, and asked me if, if I would like to join. And basically, I said, like, look, um, uh, the idea is great, but I'm not sure uh, I'm the right candidate. I, I actually never been in a VC before. And he was like, yeah, me neither. So let's let's do this together. It sounds like a good idea. We're both <laughs> passionate about games. So uh, we'll figure it out. Um, yeah. And, and I guess the rest is history. I, I joined and since then having a great, great time. Awesome. I love that when like kind of uh, what has happened in the past kind of creates your future. It doesn't uh, necessarily means that you're doing the same thing. It just means it's opening doors and, and uh, all of that. So can you talk a bit about like what the void that uh, V Games is trying to fill and what, it, what makes you different so there are actually many vcs that are gaming dedicated around the world and all of them are, are actually or are very good being uh, around for many years understand the industry really well um but there was no like this uh in israel um, so uh, the entrepreneur uh, scene in israel is, is very strong there are many vcs here but they're not focusing on gaming they're doing uh, many different things, uh, including gaming from time to time, but they're not dedicated to this industry. And we saw an opportunity to focus only on this because first we believe that when you focus, you can actually achieve a lot and you can go really, really deep. And every time we're dealing with the same sort of like, um, you know, like same sort of business models, uh, we understand and, and like our expertise actually grows uh, quite fast uh, when we're focusing on just one one industry. So uh, that's one point. Second point, we bring our uh, marketing expertise and uh, consulting expertise to the table. We're not operators, so we, we didn't create games uh, in our past, but we've seen and worked with many, many different companies that did so. 
uh, and we saw um, their challenges, we saw the opportunities, and we saw how they are actually overcoming those challenges. Um, so we're coming from consulting background, um, and we're trying to be very humble because we don't know how to build games. Um, but we might know how not to build them. <laughs> and I think that's something that uh, entrepreneurs and, and founders uh, can, can, can get a lot from. Um, so uh, our, our key um, like responsibility and, and like key objective to be the best VC fund for, for the founders, for game entrepreneurs. Um, so uh, when we invest, we're usually quite active. So um, both in working with them on a day-to-day basis, working with them on more kind of formal uh, in, in the board uh, environment. Um, so we believe that uh, if, if we like uh, real partners, we should be with them during their journey as well. So not just meeting them at crossroads, uh, but going with them hand to hand. And I, I feel that that's our uh, differentiator. Um, besides, you know, like just uh, industry expertise, uh, knowledge, and you know, the general things that most VCs are um, quite known of. Mm, interesting. And I mean, this is a bit uh, what we're going to talk about today. I mean, we're going to take the investor perspective from, you know, even discovering opportunities. We're going to start very, very early to actually make an, making an investment. And we're going to focus a bit on the Nordic market, especially since you have done some uh, investments there and, and uh, what is happening. So if we start from the real, real beginning, like how do you work with leads? Because we, we had a previous uh, kind of intro conversation and, and we kind of uh, compared the investment process a bit to sales. And that all starts with leads, both inbound and outbound. Like how do you work with them? How do they differ? Share some of that. Yeah, of course. Usually, founders are approaching us, and obviously, we perfectly understand that it's not only us. They're approaching uh, venture capital, uh, venture capital funds, uh, seeking for investments because they have an idea. It, it's worth to mention that um, companies are at different stages, and all of them might be looking for funding. Uh, but let's start from an early stage, and we'll progress uh, down the line with uh, when when company actually grows. So let's say a few uh, people usually, they have a certain idea. Uh, maybe they worked on it a little bit together. They have something to show and they believe that's the next big thing. They, they want to bring value to the market. They want to uh, build a great game and they're approaching funds or looking for, uh, for investments. Actually, uh, some of them are starting from friends and family. That's usually the most common uh, way to, to raise uh, initial capital. Angel investors as well are very active in that uh, in that time frame, um, and usually, or some of them are actually going bootstrap. They they are investing their own money, or just uh, giving up a salary and working very hard on actually creating some sort of a prototype or some sort of a build, trying to understand if there is something in what they're uh, about to build, or, or or maybe it's just it's just a good dream. But uh, at some point, uh, they they want to talk to to a VC. Uh, so they are reaching out to us, which is, we want to make this very easy and actually quite casual. Uh, everyone can leave uh, a very short form on, on our website, vgames.vc. Uh, um, many are choosing to approach us through LinkedIn, through personal connections, through introductions. Anything really goes. And we have a lot of kind of like streams of uh, leads coming uh, from all different directions. Uh, and all of them are are. are are good. In my personal advice, would if if you want uh, to get kind of like higher, increase your chances, not only with us but just with any VC, uh, look for a personal introduction. Uh, try to find a connection or uh, mutual connection, someone who can introduce us. 
it just you know increases the chances uh, to get an investment just just in, in general like uh, because you know like obviously um, VCs are getting a lot of uh, a lot of uh, approaches and and if someone like can vouch for you uh, it, it would make much more sense and, and increase uh, the chance to partner. So uh, one thing that we're requiring from uh, founders uh, when they're approaching us is uh, an investment deck. And I think it's it's just a very good exercise both for the founders, so structure their ideas in a relatively concise way. So like, I don't run 20 slides. We're not like giving very specific guidelines on this, but just sharing thoughts uh, in, in the form of a presentation before uh, we're meeting. So first we can we can come prepared. Second, we can understand if we believe in this idea. And last thing on earth we want is to waste uh, founders' time. Because obviously they're, they're incredibly busy. They're busy with so many different things. They're building their product. Uh, they're usually operating on a very uh, like lean teams. So they, uh, they're, they're not sleeping, right? And uh, I, I just, if I know that the chance for us to invest and the partner are very low, I don't want to waste their time. So I prefer to do my preparations before uh, rather than to come to a call like completely clueless. Um, so um, we're reviewing the deck uh, based on the deck and, and based on like the information there, we're making a decision if we'd like to meet or not, or, or if we'd like to meet maybe at some point. So maybe it's too early for us. Maybe they're still, in, my, you know, in our opinion, they're not ready for VC investment. And usually we're like, we're providing such feedback and, and kind of sharing that they might want to approach uh, do maybe a smaller round or approach friends, family, and angels uh, before uh, we will consider that. Okay, and then let's say in, in, in case that we're, we're actually uh, interested and we believe that this is something that uh, can be big, uh, we are meeting, we're having a relatively short call, about 30 to 45 minutes, when we um, allow uh, the founders to actually pitch, uh, pitch the idea. Uh, and again, like this can be a very casual uh, conversation uh, this can be just a, a proper pitch, just going um, going through the slides. Uh, we'll be asking questions, trying to understand if there is chemistry between us as well. Because what actually happens is that once we invest, we're partners for a very long time. We'll be working together for 10 years and, and maybe even longer. So we need to understand if if we actually if we can work together, if we feel that there is there is chemistry uh, between us. So this is something that we're also kind of trying to understand. We're trying to understand if the founding team, uh, which probably is the most important factor in, in the decision uh, to invest or not, uh, if they're working well together, what's kind of like the chemistry between them? If like who's talking more, who's talking less, who's uh, like how they distribute the roles uh, in the company, who's in charge of what? Are there maybe any disagreements within the founders? Uh, sometimes you can actually see that even on the first call. So we're kind of trying to understand the dynamics. It's, it's very important. Uh, after, after like the initial call, usually, uh, again, like there are two options, right? If we believe that uh, it's not for us uh, at the moment, uh, we were letting them know and trying to be very quick on responding. Again, we are aware that uh, they don't have much time and they're probably waiting for those responses and, and we don't want to, to keep them waiting if, if uh, we don't see a good chance for us to invest. In many cases, we're actually mentioning that um, maybe it's too early for us or maybe it's, it's out of our uh, scope or out of our uh, expertise. 
and we're happy to reconnect with them later uh, later on. Maybe maybe something will change, and we've seen many actually good teams that uh, pivoted at some point. Then actually it might be like something else that we would be considering or would think that uh, has a higher chances of success or, or scaling further. But let's say if we would like to proceed, uh, usually we'll have uh, another call. So in normal times, uh, at some point we'll probably travel and, and see if we can meet uh, the founders in person. That's, that's always the best way. Uh, it's very easy for us to do so in Israel. It's a small country. Uh, almost everyone knows everyone. We're based in Tel Aviv, so uh, usually it's, it's not a problem. And, and just founders can can drop uh, by to our office and and like have a conversation together. I know have lunch, something like that. We, we, we we're absolutely fine with making this quite casual. When it's abroad, it's a bit more can, difficult. Can yeah, I like just it's... follow up? Uh, yeah. So what I'm hearing is that you're saying that this first conversation is quite casual, but you're also describing it as a as a pitch meeting. And to me, a, a more casual event is like a lunch or a fika or, or, or something like that. So how do you create this casual environment in that pitch so that you... I just assume that many of these founders are quite uh, nervous in this um, setting. Yeah, and, and we can perfectly understand that. So... Uh, we're trying not to set very strict boundaries uh, to this kind of first meeting, and some just they they cannot they they probably uh, trained a lot for for this uh, for the first call. They just want to go over the deck, which is absolutely fine. We we can we can do that. Let's 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 have it. Uh, some prefer to have it in the form of a casual conversation, uh, and then usually like we start with some uh, some initial questions, or maybe they want to share something. And it's it's a bit of a, like an interview, casual conversation. Um, but yeah, definitely, we understand that it's it's not something that they're doing on their day to day, especially if it's one of their first uh, meetings. Yet we know that in gaming, they'll need probably a lot of capital down the uh, down the line. So uh, when we're looking at founders, we're trying to see if they'll be able to raise capital again, if they'll be able to sell the company, if they have those maybe not the expertise because this is something that they can develop but if if they have this like i don't know the spark um to do so yeah um so <laughs> like that description <laughs> it's you know like it, and it's a first impression and and like it's quite difficult yeah. to change that uh so we're trying to make this as yeah. casual as possible or or as pro founder uh, as we can uh but we're assessing them right so we're we're and trying to understand if it's a, a good opportunity for us to partner, and we're all like all for future conversations as well. If first one is not going well, let's let's reconnect. I don't know in a few months, like in in six months, in in one year. We did this multiple times, um, but it's still quite difficult to change first impression if it wasn't that great. Yeah, no, I think from from my perspective, what I'm. Uh... I, I think it makes sense to have them like pitch and to have that in a, in an environment where you get to uh, evaluate them. I think what I had a hard time grasping was the definition of um, casual in this conversation because it's not very casual. <laughs> but but it makes sense to have them uh, do that because it uh, everything will go quicker if you have a, a great setting where you can uh, you know uh, get to know each other and and actually talk about the real things. So I think you know, having that sort of setting will actually make the process faster. Um, yeah. You know, like all of them actually are very passionate about what they're building. Uh, and and yeah. we can like uh, very quickly, I can turn the conversation into casual just by asking 
um, more about how they how they came up with this particular game, and they always will have a story because they mm. they loved something when when they used to play it, or I don't know, there, there's always something behind it, uh, and it's yeah. it's I guess it's quite unique for our industry. So everyone who is a builder, mm. they're passionate about the product as well, and they're playing it, and they're playing everything around and similar to that. So even when there is a when it's actually a pitch, I can ask them more about their like um, gaming experience and then yeah we can we can talk about this for quite a long time uh, and i believe this can kind of reduce the the pressure and actually kind of like help them just uh, have it have it as a, as a more kind of casual and friendly conversation really so it's like a passion discovery meeting yeah yeah pretty much that's what's what's yeah. unique okay. about this industry like think about something like that i don't know in SaaS or i don't know tech products so i know that many entrepreneurs are quite excited about what they're building but i feel that in gaming it's yeah. kind of just on a different level yeah it's like uh, their whole being in a way yeah uh, okay i can see it I, thank you for clarifying that for me uh, that makes much more sense than what i was building in my head for from the beginning but before we we move on can you because you're doing a bit of outbound as well and and you're focusing a bit on the nordic region like why is that why for sure uh, tell me about yeah, that yeah so um we actually great timing uh, because yesterday we came for uh, from a trip uh, to finland we have two portfolio uh, companies there. We're constantly looking to uh, new opportunities in the region. Uh, specifically, we're more familiar with Finland, but uh, Nordics is is just fantastic, and and we love uh, the region and we love the gaming ecosystem there. What's so special about it? There are multiple factors. I feel that I, I guess one of the first ones to mention. So specifically, Finland is quite a small country uh, where gaming ecosystem is just booming. There are so many companies, there are so many indie uh, new uh, developments in the gaming uh, industry. It actually didn't just start now, uh, the gaming industry in, in Finland being around for like more than 20 years. Uh, and there are like uh, very successful and big titles through the entire spectrum on, on PC, on mobile, casual games is something that is way more core. And one thing that I believe that we're sharing is actually passion for good products and creativity. All of the teams that I've seen in, in, in Finland and actually a few in the Nordics as well are incredibly creative, super product focused, lean as well. And, and like they're trying to achieve a lot with relatively small teams and they're just leaving the industry. It's, it's amazing to experience that and kind of like to, to actually when, when we were visiting, we were able just to connect with them, you know, like face to face and you know, like almost like deep dive into this. Uh, they are universities that are, you can actually learn gaming, uh, not, what, what's gaming, like you can learn programming or kind of like more on the developing side, art, game design. There are multiple professions that you can learn in universities in Finland. We barely have this in Israel, and we're quite big on game. Mm. They are they, like the the government is very pro uh, entrepreneurs in general, but that, that applies to gaming as well. Um, so uh, there are grants for uh, development, for uh, research and development. Uh, there are grants for marketing. Basically, like the the rule of thumb that whatever company is getting uh, in terms of external uh, investment. So if someone invests in a particular company in Finland, the government will match that. That's just unprecedented. Wow. Like, 
um, benefits uh, to the companies and to investors as well. So basically for a dollar, you're buying two dollars of runway of time uh, to like time, uh, well, not time to develop, but um, like uh, you're buying 2x resources for everything. And, and it's just, that's, that's amazing. I wish other countries will follow uh, Finnish and I, I believe Nordics lead on that. Yeah. That's so ni- that's so nice. I didn't even uh, I didn't know that Finland did that for gaming in particular, but I know that there is a lot of like gaming school and de- gaming design schools here. So interesting. We will have to talk to the Swedish government to see if they can do the same. They should. Yeah, you you mentioned in the beginning of why you liked uh, Finland that they are very they have very lean teams. Like do don't they have that in other parts of of the world or like uh, why do you think they managed to have those lean teams? It's an interesting question. Obviously there there are um there are some other countries that we're seeing similar approaches, but one example that I can mention is Supercell. Very big Finnish company generating about 2 billion dollars of revenue uh, last year. And they're about 300 people. So it's 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 incredible how lean they are, and they were able to maintain this kind of like small agile structure, even when the company grew in terms of both products and revenue. Um, because it's it's so easy when when you're actually starting to scale and you're seeing that you're onto something, uh, the game or games are succeeding. You start hiring and, and increasing your team size. But Supercell didn't do that. So they are incredibly, incredibly lean. And I feel that um, other new companies are looking up to them as well in, in Finland. So I feel it's kind of like sending sort of a, like as, a, as an example to others that uh, you, can, you can actually achieve a lot with smaller teams, even when you're getting very big. Obviously, when you're small, you're like, you, you, it's, it's a must. Um, so I, I feel that kind of like comes through um like industry leaders um but also maybe it's like it's, it's, it's a personal thing as well so i met a lot of people that are they can do multiple things uh, in the company they, they can they can write code uh but they can also understand game design as well so they're they're not like they're sort of jack of all trades uh doing multiple things and that actually usually what startup needs right like they they usually don't have a lot of resources to hire everyone for every like very small and uh, a narrow like uh, role. Uh, no, they, they need to to do many things, and ideally to do this quick. So uh, this is something that yeah I've seen that is quite unique uh, to Finland, especially when you kind of coming and, and bringing in uh, the creativity and and focus on the user uh, and, and the product, which I, I believe is is just probably. I know one of the best in the world, and and I, it's very difficult for me to to describe or and try and answer why this is happening. But you can just see it from the products. Uh, products that are coming from Finland and from Nordics in general, they're, they're incredibly high-quality products. Uh, this is something like you want to play and you want to touch. They're, they're, yeah. they're just very, very user-focused. That That's lovely. So, Daniel, I guess these uh, lean teams are part of the thing that you're looking for in a startup or a scale-up, but like, what else is on that assessment list that you're... Uh, using in that first meeting? What are you looking for? Um, so there are actually many things. So that's that's why I'm saying that the first impression is, is quite important, even if it's a casual conversation. We're looking for a builder's mindset. So companies that really want to build something and like using every opportunity to do so. Sometimes being scrappy, being like very uh, fast to market. So 
um, like not really waiting to get in the, the investment to start doing. They already already did something already like in in progress and maybe they're like missing resources there they doesn't look very good but they just can't uh, hold themselves uh, not to start uh, working on it uh, remember i mentioned like the, the all of them are, are usually very very passionate about what they're building um, yeah, yeah. second thing um it's it's the motivation and ambition so it's something that is very important for a, a vc fund because in the end we're looking for companies that have a potential to become very, very big, like incredibly big, like uh, that they will be able to uh, redefine uh, their, maybe their, their genre or subgenre that they're operating. Um, and I want kind of to understand this appetite from this first conversation that we're having, if, if they want to do and to build something incredibly big. And actually, there are some cases when we're meeting founders and we actually believe in their model and we believe in what they're doing but we just don't believe that it's going to be big enough. So uh, I have a mm. good feeling about this. Uh, and it seems that founders will do very well uh, and, and probably have high chances of um, building a big game, but it's just not big enough for uh, VC returns. Um, and in that case, uh, we'll, we'll have to pass or, or like we'll have to, I don't know, maybe like pass for a current round and reconnect in the future. Um, but this is something that will be constantly looking, can this be a big business? It's like a, a sort of a mantra that we're repeating when, uh, when we're uh, talking internally and trying to understand if this thing that we're looking to invest in, is this the right partnership for us? But, but like, what is big enough? Um, big enough for us, it's like scaling 100x from their uh, current state, if it's, it's an early stage company. Basically, it's, it's something like to, to redefine and uh, lead the tables uh, or like the top grossing tables in, in their particular genre. Uh, if this game can make, uh, I don't know, a million dollars per day, if this is like even remotely possible, if I can just imagine this happening, we're, we're very happy to engage. Um, but in some cases, if, we're, if, if the company is, is looking to work in a, maybe something that is a bit niche, so... Yeah, uh, in those cases, uh, we, we decided maybe it's not a great way for us to partner. Yeah, okay. So help me recap here. We had the, the builder's mindset. We had it, it should be big enough. Um, what was the other parameters here for an investment? It's crazy. Like, uh, so, so teams that are uh, very uh, quick to market. So um, it's, mm. it's not only building. Uh, they, they are doing this in a very kind of like scrappy and uh, quickly manner. So um, they just, because there are some teams that I know that are going to build probably a good product, but like in five years, the, the market mm. has a great appetite for games and, and it's, it's just can't wait. Uh, <laughs> so we're looking for someone who actually um, would like to, to release quickly and maybe fail as well, which is obviously it's, it's part of, of the journey. But then they will have a chance to kind of reiterate, maybe pivot and try again. Uh, I believe in that approach mm. more than just doing something for many years and then like hoping for the best and then just uh, releasing. Obviously, it's like there is no formula, right? Like you can't do like, okay, just do this and this and this and you'll have a successful business. It doesn't work like that. Um, but that's yeah. it's just like sort of in a, a mindset that, in my opinion, will help uh, the company, especially in the early stage to uh to win quickly 
Yeah, makes sense. And like uh, the Nordic companies, how uh, how are they at this? And or is there other things that uh, make them uh, stand out? And uh, is there a lot of competition between the games? Like, how do you know which one to invest in? Of course. So there, there's always a lot of competition, and that's uh, gaming is an incredibly competitive uh, environment. And that's why one of the reasons why we're looking for companies to be able to ship quickly. Um, so they will be able to get out to the market and see what market actually thinks about their game. Because it's, it's incredibly difficult to uh, kind of like predict if a game is going to be successful or not. Um, and and uh, like it's, it's just like almost impossible. And I've seen very, very strong experts or thinking one way or another about the game. And it was like a complete surprise. Um, so the best way is just to get it out to the market and see what the market thinks about your game. Uh, so, and, and we believe, yeah, so teams in, in the Nordics and in particular in Finland are uh, very kind of like market oriented. Uh, they're um, all about kind of testing their ideas, all about prototyping, doing this on, on like on a, almost like a weekly basis. They always have something like they're playing with it's, Uh, think about this as of like a, a chef. So they're like cooking things. They're not always even like putting out it to the on the main menu. Uh, but I know that they're always experimenting, maybe sharing it with their friends. The community, the game community in in Finland are incredibly strong. They're uh, game clubs when people just meet and they're playing other games, just games on the market. So they're very very aware on what's happening. And also they're playing their own prototypes as well. So they have a very easy way and to share what they're building and what they're working on uh, with kind of close uh, circle of people to see, okay, if, if there's, it, can this be interesting? And this is incredible. Of course, it's, it's, a, it's a, huge, a huge opportunity uh, for the entire uh, industry if, if this thing, if those cycles, they, they work and they like work all the time. Um, yeah, and I think one one thing to add on the founders team, uh, we are looking for people that are are playing a lot of games. It's incredibly, and I think I mentioned this uh, in the beginning. It's incredibly important to know the industry inside out. There, like you can read books about uh, game design, and uh, those are good and important. But the best time spent for a founder, uh, their free time. Uh, they don't have any, um, but uh, <laughs> playing, playing games as much as they can. It's like the most successful ones that we've seen. That's what they're doing. They're playing games. They're playing their competitors. They're playing their own game. They're playing games from different markets, different genres. They're very, very aware and actually living this industry. I like that. So when you were in Finland last week, how many games did you play? Um, I actually played about five or six games. Uh, I had quite a lot wow. of flights. We had uh, some connections. Uh, so I had some time uh, on the plane and, and there are some games that you can actually play offline. Uh, some of them are mm. of our portfolio. Some of them are like new opportunities that we're looking into. Um, so yeah, even even when we're on the go, it's it's a it's a perfect opportunity uh, to play and actually maybe go a bit deeper in in the game and experience it like for a longer time session. Um, something that maybe uh, you know when when you're just commuting or something like that, it's 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 kind of like a big different environment. 
Um, but yeah, it's yeah. it's a must. You can you can never stop playing. So so interesting here because I think uh, I also cut you off a bit earlier when you said that you are usually traveling to meet the entrepreneurs after some initial meetings and stuff. Is actually playing the games uh, part of the evaluation process as well? Of course, that's that's like there's no way. Uh, there's no way other, there's no other way to do this and we're playing every single game that uh, the entrepreneurs are working on during our due diligence process uh, if they have something to share with us uh, some some are not which which is okay like uh, we understand that it doesn't have to be uh, ready and some are like incredibly early stage which is fine uh, but if there is something of course that's the best way to do due diligence and uh, because it's it's also kind of like sparks the conversation as well. I can actually ask questions. Why do you build it that way? What what are your thoughts about this? Uh, and like the games are obviously important. The teams are more important uh, because you you can never know uh, if it's going to be a successful game or not. Maybe it's going to be like game number five of a particular team is going to be a massive hit, uh, but the first four going to be a complete disaster. And there are actually examples uh, of, of very, very big companies. Uh, I'm thinking about Moon Active right now in Israel. Uh, that uh, Rovio, uh, Finnish company as well, that first games were not that great. So we're always assessing the team. That's the most important aspect. But yeah, of course, the game is, is what they're passionate about. That's what they're building. Uh, we, we must play. And uh, it is a big part of our due diligence. And in many cases, we're actually doing like guided play tests as well. So... Sometimes they're like sharing the game with us. I'll be playing this uh, just like alone, or like if it's a multiplayer with uh, with uh, some of our uh, colleagues or, or friends. Uh, and then uh, we'll have another session that is more kind of like guided, so like an hour or two hours when we're playing the game together uh, with the developers. And and they're like, it's it's sort of like um, I don't know, going to a museum in a way. Uh, so they're like actually they're, they're telling about uh, different uh, mechanics in the game, why they did this that way, uh, what was the other way like they were thinking. So it's 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 actually a very very nice and, and kind of good experience because um, you're getting a lot sort of like behind the scenes. Ah, I like that. So uh, considering the fact now that you can, I mean, in some presses you say you're playing the game, but in some there isn't anything to to play yet. When is a good time to raise capital? When and how much should you raise? How how, how should you think about that? Yeah. So um, raising capital should always be uh, backed by by a plan. So you you need to have a strategy. Why do you need the money? Like what do you need it for? Um, because bringing in a partner makes uh, things way more formal. Right, you, you have you have someone that you work with. Uh, it's it's not just you on your own and, and your team on this. Uh, it changes the dynamics as well. So um, usually our recommendation: stay independent in the beginning uh, until you have something, because it will be way easier for you uh, to raise funds when when you have when you have like a prototype or or something to share. Also, it's kind of worth again, like as, as I mentioned, like. Uh, the founders should have a budget, so they should know how they're going to spend the money and why it's a good time for them to raise. So, um, like they want, they they know that they need to hire more artists, for example. They just won't be able to proceed, and like art is, let's say, this, this is like the next thing that they should be focusing on. Um, or I don't know, like the this game can support just a few users, but the infrastructure is not is not good enough or not uh, strong enough to support scaling. So that's that's the right time to bring people to work on the on the infra 
and start uh, building, uh, I don't know, like servers or, or uh, building the, the infrastructure to support uh, a lot of users. So um, there's no like a specific uh, time in the life of a company that can say, okay, now bring capital. It, it usually uh, comes from the founders and my recommendation here would be just have a, have a plan of how you're going to use the money. So, and then just work uh, on like in the reverse order. So first have a plan, understand what you actually want to achieve, how much runway you want. Like usually it's about like I don't know, a year plus and then like work it back to, okay, that means that, okay, if I'll, I'll hire that number of people, I want to work on this type of things. Uh, I'll need this uh, kind of uh, money. So that's usually how it uh, works. And um, yeah, it's, it, it's never should be, it never should be like, okay, this is just a random number. I have no kind of like no plan <laughs> to this. Uh, it's, it's just a good round number. Yeah. And I guess then uh, depending on how far you are on your journey, uh, the more experience you have and the better the budget will be because you have, uh, you know, data to base it on. Uh, it's just not guesstimates. For sure. That comes with expertise. Yeah, exactly. So it's been great listening to you, but we are running out of time. So I'm going to ask my famous question. It's going to be famous one day. What should I have asked you about that I haven't asked you about? Maybe uh, what founders should be doing when they're hearing no. Mm. So loving that we were focusing a lot about what happens and how the process works when when we're like proceeding and when we're engaging and everything is is going well but the reality is that and it's not only us and in general vcs uh 99 of the opportunities that the vcs are seeing or or getting exposed to it's a no so they're not investing and they're not proceeding um so that's that's something that obviously uh worth to address and uh, i'm happy to uh, talk about that so First of all, I know for some founders, it's, it's a kind of an emotional thing. And it's, it's difficult when someone looking at your baby, it's something that you worked and spent probably like hundreds and thousands of hours at, uh, and they're just like not impressed. It's a very difficult uh, feeling. And I, I can definitely understand that. What they should be doing is actually focusing on the product and working and, and like keep working on it. First of all, like there, there are a lot of other uh, VC funds that you can talk to. Some are more kind of specializing on like other things, maybe like in, in your particular genre, in your particular uh, whatever you're, you're building. It's always good to remain in touch uh, with uh, investors that uh, you were talking to. I know that some companies are doing sort of like a, a mailing list that like once a month uh, or so, they're updating uh, the investors that we're in touch with where, where they are at. And we appreciate that a lot. Because okay, we're, we're we're just saw a company. Maybe maybe we thought that maybe it's not for us. We, we feel that the risk is too high. But we see that they're they're building, they're progressing, they're they're doing something. Even if they're pivoting, it's 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 um, not bad at all. Maybe they, they they should kill their product and focus on on maybe a different game. But they're still a team and they're still going strong and they're together, which probably is the most important thing. And they're kind of like updating uh, all those kind of point of context that. Uh, maybe didn't want to engage uh, immediately on their progress. And this is something that is great to see. And actually, we have multiple examples. When we said no in the beginning, it was like time passed. Uh, we kept in touch. And a month, few months or like even a year after, we decided that it's the right time for us to invest. So, But if they would go just completely silent and it would be like, okay, um, you said no, we don't want to talk again, we probably wouldn't invest uh, in, at a later stage. So um, I feel that managing your relationship with investors is important and it, it goes beyond just 
uh, one uh, or like a few meetings that you had uh, if they didn't go really well. Yeah. I like that. And I also like the tip, uh, the very concrete tip about, you know, doing a monthly newsletter or something, because many times you still have to do that maybe for your own or for someone who has already invested and so forth. So so it's not that big of a step to just share it with a few others. And, and uh, that can make a whole difference. All right. I think it's time for us to wrap it up. It's been amazing listening to you, Daniel. Uh, I don't think I will ever build a game because I'm not that passionate, but I'm going to share this story with so many people who are thinking about building games. Uh, and I think I got a few tips for myself for my industry and especially about, um, you know, sneaking out the passion uh, because even though I, I might not live and breathe what I do, uh, I sure spend a lot of time doing it. Uh, so I think it's been very inspiring listening to this. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, promise one thing that uh, even if you want to uh, build a game, uh, just play a few. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you'll find some very, very nice ones. Oh, definitely. <laughs> we were actually thinking about having, um, because I used to be a, a, I can't say I used to be a gamer, but I used to spend a lot of time playing when I was like, you know, 14, 15. And we were thinking about having a kind of a, a reunion where we only played the games we played back then but maybe we should change that and have it this is a thing where we you know realize that there has been a lot of more new sophisticated games coming since then actually there's a uh, there's a very big trend of um, big companies um, making sort of like a reissue or like uh, yeah i know bringing old games uh, back to life through maybe like uh, enhancing the, yeah. the graphics and making sure that they're like relevant for the current age and that's that's been quite big as well so they definitely understand this feeling of uh, nostalgia of uh, people that they're remembering particular yeah, titles exactly. that they used to play when they were kids. Yeah, I remember when Vov Classic came a few years back. I was like, I don't even dare to get started playing because I will never leave my computer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the usual thing. <laughs> so, but there, I'm sure there are other examples. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> cool. But uh, thank you once again. Uh, and um, I hope I get to speak with you in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. I really had a great time uh, and enjoyed this conversation. Thanks again. Thanks for listening in to our podcast, Winning in the Nordics, presented by AppsFlyer. You know where to find us. Subscribe and leave us a review on Apple, Google, Spotify and all good podcast apps.